Hello, young man. It's so good to see you. It's really, really good to see you too. How random is this that we go about a decade before catching up? Isn't this something? You know, it's even, um, it's e- it's even crazier than a decade. I mean, like, yes, a decade. <laughs> and I gotta, I gotta pick up our conversation literally right where it left off. Oh yeah. Uh, okay. Shoot. Indulge me. Yeah. Okay. So first, first and foremost, the last time, and we may have chatted a little bit since then, um, but the last time I remember us like having like a tete-a-tete, um, yeah. we were in Sean and Dan's place, uh, you know, at 16th and Garfield. And I said something brash and and stupid to you about like, well, you know, I plan if all goes, you know, who knows how things are going to turn out, but like, you know, maybe like, being at the head or I think I said something like starting a theater company or something Mm. like that. God, that helped me. Um, but something like, you know, Hey, I'm going to, I'm, I'm looking to like, to lead, lead the charge on something, lead the charge on making theater in this country. Some, 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 something that only like a 23 year old idiot would say. (laughs) Um, and here we are. And here you are. (laughs) And I got to say, just first of all, congrats, man. I'm very, very proud of you. And I know that, uh, you know, uh, we don't talk much sometimes and, and especially all of those wonderful folks that we spent some time with over at UW, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we had a lot of amazing experiences, but to get to talk to you again and, and to find that you're doing this, it just, it just kind of worked out a little bit that maybe we can talk shop about some of that stuff, but it's just really good to see you, man. And I'm you too. incredibly, Seriously. incredibly proud of you and, uh, and all that you're doing because you have, from what it seems like, I, I know that you're not on social media much, but you have lived a beautiful artistic decade. So you got to correct me if I'm wrong. You got to tell me if there's been deviations <laughs> or a lot of crazy things along the way, but you know, hopefully we can clarify that a little bit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So where are you at now? Let, let's just start there. Where are you at? I, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's just jump right in. Uh, so at the moment, I am in uh, in Humboldt County in California, way up behind the Redwood Curtain, uh, in in the little the little town of Ferndale, and yeah, it's a trip, you know. How, you're you're originally from California, right? So it's kind of in your originally, neck of the woods. yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. I mean, like in the greater so in the greater sphere of of you know the lower forty eight. Yeah, not so far from home. Um, really close to where I did my second master's. Cause after that fateful night that we chatted, uh, at, at Sean and Dan's place, um, I, I went and spent some time as a professional actor and also, you know, in, in the brash, I have a master's from Trinity college. I'm going to pay my rent with the arts, <laughs> which I did, yeah. but I was only able to do, uh, really through having some excellently wonderful friends who would give me a deal on rent for like renting out their attic. Oh, right? amazing. But you gotta um, do what you gotta do. Yeah, I got it. I got to do it, which means, you know, I was a shop carpenter for one theater in the morning and I taught after school education programming for another that was uh, for a little while. The Douglas Morrison Theater down in Hayward and the new Victory Theater uh, where Andrew Nance, uh, who now I think publishes or writes children's books, mm. um, just just a stellar human from from what I've been able to, to follow over the years, uh, gave me my first like teaching theater job. Oh, um, and that allowed me to be in rehearsal, you know, in the evenings or, you know, the off hours for whatever show I was in, uh, whatever, you know, whatever I was either choreographing or directing or acting in, 
you know, the all-male cast uh, of Twelfth Night that I was in, where I played, uh, I got to play a very fierce Olivia, you know. <laughs> so that's where it started. And then after doing that for a little bit of time, I was like, mm, I don't, I somehow feel unfinished, you know, uh, to pull a pop culture reference, you know, like, like uh, that whole thing Yoda warns Luke about, like, you could go now, but like, you know, yeah, you're probably yeah. not ready. Uh, right. And so I wound up, I wound up in school at Del Arte for an MFA, uh, way up in up near here, up in Humboldt County, and mm. spent three years uh, delving into the deep weeds of ensemble-based physical theater. Oh man, what a trip like, that must have been! I I really want to unpack that real quick, but I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna do a quick turnaround to the very very beginning though before we get into the weeds because this is incredibly sure. important to me to ask. Um, yeah. You, I, I think, uh, I, I don't know how this happens, but you have to explain it to me. You have been blessed with, with siblings who are so full of life and so full of craft, right. And are so like invested mm -hmm. in the arts. And I'm, you know, you, you have dancers in your family, you have performers in your family, you have uh, film actors, so much going on. And I, I kind of wonder what type of upbringing creates this kind of environment where you're all so uh beautifully manifesting the the power sure. of the arts like how does how does that begin for the higgins family Man. i mean you know in any number of ways right so, some of it you know some years could read like angela's ashes some are, are <laughs> probably a bit more you know uh bright uh but the long and short of it is you know we we were always in one way or another just kind of pushed to mm. not not even like push push just like the door was opened in such a way where it's like oh you could do that or not mm. so for example like the cautionary tale and the inspiration among many right like our mom who you know dropped out of college at 19 and moved across the country in her little volkswagen bug uh to go play music you know she was she was setting out to be the next joan baez right um and she basically you know was a working artist was a working folk singer for 10 years until she and my dad got together oh lovely you know okay um and the flip side of that is you know my watching my dad's trajectory like the whole scope of his life by which i mean from the time i met him because you know they got married when he was 40 so mm, okay. you know uh so he had he had already he had a whole existence before i ever showed up oh goodness um, okay but you know watching someone who who loved the written word and loved storytelling um and made a very conscious effort to pour sort of his day-to-day -day living into the world of business right into mm -hmm. achieving in that way right and then to watch him kind of later on in life um you know relax a little bit into becoming you know sort of the 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 coffee house storyteller person um, you know, with, with essentially like a captive audience every morning. Um, oh, that's amazing. Even, well, even more so. Right. And this goes, this, this was one of the best lessons that I ever learned. Like, it's one of those things he taught me, I think, without actually intentionally trying to teach me. Mm. Um, and he told me this story actually, when he was at the university of Wyoming, if you want to know, like when you say you want to go back, yeah, like, yeah, let's yeah. go all the way back. That's what let's I go want. back yeah. to the Let's go back to like the Ur Higgins that attended <laughs> UW. All right, All right. Let's, let's do it. Like, like, let's go back to the mid '60s. Damn, let's do this. I, I, I can never. I, I'll never remember the professor's name, but my dad was in a creative writing class, 
So the story goes. Um, with with somebody who he respected an incredible amount, and and my dad also, you know, like he took a he took a year abroad, I believe, in college. Um, like sailed on the same ship to Europe to go knock around Switzerland or whatever that Hemingway took over. You know, oh, wow. like yeah. all like this whole shebang, right? Um, you know, bit a bit of a diehard romantic in some ways, mm. and my understanding is that he turned in an assignment to this guy who he totally respected and the guy, the professor basically said, Hey, I think you have a great future in business. Hmm. This was his. Yeah. Right. Wow. This was now, now let's remember what, like when the way to succeed in the world, clearly in like the sixties as a man, right. You have to be a provider. You have to be, there were totally, there were rules, right? Like there, let's put it this way. There were rules that were very, very, very specific to that place in society at that time. Yeah. And that's part of, of course, the dialogue we're having these days. Sure. Sure. Um, you know, this was pre bra burnings. Um, and if I were to guess, especially just, you know, as people who study theater, you know, write theater, perform theater, like, you know, inflection, intentionality, all that. All yeah. that is is woven into the into the text, mm-hmm. and just every time, and we only ever talked about it, I think once, maybe twice, ever. But it's the reason why my Christmas present to him every year was a blank journal. Oh wow, that is powerful. It's it's one of those, and and one of the reasons why, as I said, like toward the end of his life, watching him just just settle in with his morning coffee clatch crew. Mm-hmm. and and swap stories and have opinions on the world and whatnot which he was never not opinionated but sure. um watching that not be so constrained by you know the the demands of being a provider and a husband and a father in the way that traditionally maybe you know and it's it's sort of a it's a pretty devastating thing for for somebody in an academic position to just kind of intellectually push their weight upon somebody who's just getting started. It's one of the most infuriating things and issues that I have with in particular teachers in the arts. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this now that you're an educator Mm -hmm. yourself, but do you think that this is a problem where you have folks who may be frustrated in the field of academia who are instead of sharing and, and essentially guiding healthy places of artistic exploration, Mm -hmm. And turning them into more places where they can stand on a pedestal over over a lot of these uh, these students is that an issue, or is that just something I, that? It's, um, so yes, yes, and um, <laughs> there's your improv training uh, kicking in, dude. <laughs> um, it's, uh, so yes, and at the institutional level. And at the individual teacher level, right, that is something that is in perhaps more in dialogue now in terms of questioning how we've come to this place than it has been, right? Traditionally, cut-based systems, other like other things that, you know, are, are you know, forgive the imagery, but are, are cracking the whip to demand excellence of their students, mm. some of which was part of my training, um, and some of which which was very much a free hand, like, let's just see what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, as, as I, you know, as I pretty much tell all of my students that I've ever had the pleasure and privilege of teaching at uh, Stella Adler or, you know, Prescott Circus Theater, any number of places, um, 
you know, I've come to the understanding that I, I don't see myself as train as teaching students when I'm when I'm in that capacity or role. What I see at in the best of all possible worlds, right, is that I'm I'm sharing a skill set and and offering some inspiration to seek out perspective on their own to people who I hope genuinely to be future collaborators with in some capacity, whether it's because they're directing something and they they need to call me up for for just hey can i sounding board something with you right mm-hmm. or you know heck maybe we're going to be lucky enough to be on the same project out you know in yonder professional world someday sure. i don't know um but i i feel that it's you know without waxing poetic about it that i it's my responsibility to approach it not like i get to teach you or not that there's a hierarchical i got this far i didn't get this far my responsibility mm-hmm. is to provide you with the foundation in, you know, whether we're doing acting styles and technique, whether we're doing movement theater, um, you know, mm-hmm. is, is to give you the foundational skills or the, or not even foundational, foundational and whatever other skills you've come to this class mm-hmm. for so that someday, right. I'm, I'm, I'm creating not the next generation of theater artists. I'm creating future collaborators if I'm doing my job well. Mm. Excellent. When you delved into into this whole physical theater thing, and, and in particular, I saw some pictures of you where you were in full, you know, um, I don't want to say like clown attire because that that I don't mean it to sound disrespectful, but can you no, can you not, tell me like <laughs> what is the right way to talk about this, especially when we Clowns? talk about the the craft of clowning, you know, or sure. like how does that relate to to movement? Just for my I mean, my own ignorance here, sure. Totally. I mean, you know, there's, there's, and, and there are tons of people, you know, at, at, at length, I could always point you to books and things. And oh, books I love and, that. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, to surmise it for whatever my two cents on it are, um, clowning is a verb, right? It's, you know, in some ways it's one of, it's like the oldest, oldest profession, right? Like before people were, uh, were sex workers, there were clowns, mm. arguably. Mm. Um, you know, and, and anyone who's like, oh, I don't know clowning. I don't understand. I promise you any, any, any of you brave souls who have ever spawned a child, like <laughs> already understand clowning right, in a right. way that most people who spend, you know, $50,000 in years of their life or whatever can't. So it, would, would you call it the distillation of message of, of it, specifically beyond humor? Yeah not just humor. it's it's not it's not just humor it at its core for laughter or the other thing right <laughs> like clowning 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 requires a poetic truth in, okay. in it as it was taught to me as i have found whatever level of success and delight in it that i have right mm-hmm. um i was i was just i, I had a, a meeting gosh was that only yesterday what is time um <laughs> Where, you know, where, where folks were asking about, you know, some of the time, like the little bit of circus work I've done and, and things like that. And they're like, well, clowning, but you're doing theater now. Well, like we can see the correlation. Hmm. The best way I could describe it, it just kind of came out was, you know, a full length play, right, is is to the novella or or whatever. And the one act is to the short story. And 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 the clown entree is is a poem. Oh, know? lovely. And 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 that you condense you have but you have to condense the multitudes of of you know everything mm. into that mm. how does one go about doing that at a very novice level at a very initial starting point 
of that Lots pursuit. Of screaming. <laughs> um, sometimes getting things thrown at you, depending on on what the the training is. Speaking is, of instructors uh, and and uh, yeah, <laughs> like oh, we've I have I mean I won't I won't name names um, because I also walked away with the lessons, and I also in those instances do not subscribe to teaching in that fashion myself. In fact, some of, so some of my greatest challenges um, and my greatest joys uh, in, in teaching this stuff has been, you know, finding the, finding the ways and avenues where I can get to some of the core veracities that I was taught mm. um, without using the same tools, right? It's not, it's it, in no way, right? Is it justifiable or appropriate for, for example, uh, an instructor to, mid-show with an invited audience and a camera rolling for you know for archiving purposes charge the stage and grab the actor by the throat and throw them into the wall it's oh not an appropriate God. thing to do i'm wow. not saying it for shock value you know and this is this is not like you know stockholm syndrome speaking right this is sure. like we have maintained a dialogue over the years mm -hmm. um i completely disagree with how he approached that mm -hmm. i understood also like hand in hand with that, I understood what what he was getting at with respect to the work, mm. um, with respect to the, the you know, the, this was a storytelling piece and the words I had written and how what I was trying to do to stage it was like running, you know, kind of perpendicular and not in a good way into the, the text. Mm. Um, so okay. I both understood and could disagree. Okay. Um, so and, and that's you know so and 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 by the way that was not uh in my training that was not something that happened with frequency just in case you know your yeah, listeners yeah. are and like oh my god it's what, a tricky territory what is to, happening to navigate or bring up because as uh, you you and i are aware that that there is a generation that is that is becoming a bit more savvy in terms of what their rights yeah. are as students or or you know what they they can as they and should understand yeah. as they should it's great but I think yep. maybe for us who are a little bit older, there's also almost a sense of like, that's kind of a means to an end. Not that it's a good thing or a bad thing. It's just kind of like in our minds, we were like, well, shit, this is the struggle for the craft. I mean, and, and this or that, um, but yep. whether that was the right thing at the time or, or not, you know, um, I'm mm -hmm. not sure, but I meant to ask you in terms of writing a script for this sort of stuff, how does that work sure. when you're. Yeah. conceiving this kind of stuff at, at, at a very like granular level, how mm -hmm. does that look on paper if there is such a thing? And, and how does that sure. get trans transposed into yeah. like it, it varies, honestly, like, and, and I don't mean that, I don't mean that to, to, to avoid the question. I, I have, I have toured adaptive pieces that are, you know, run about an hour long ish, okay. 50 minutes or so with three performers. And the script itself is 15 pages long, <laughs> right? That is bananas. Um, I, I love that. Yeah. Like, um, you know, that's, that's a thing that, you know, conversely, right? Sure. So, okay. So, so let, let's get, let's get to, to a couple of, of core tenements then, if you want to ask about clowning. And again, sure, this is, sure. as I understand it, and there are plenty of folks out there from whom I have borrowed wisdom and to whom I'm happy to point you toward. Um, but a big, big key part of it, right, is the element of play of delight god I, I sound like some weird academic um so like think like again no. think all the way back to something like classic commedia dell'arte right yeah and we think of the we think of the fact you know it's like everyone goes oh my god it was improv they have these short kind of well that's because 
everyone in the cast, everyone in that traveling troop knew in their fiber of their being kind of what the story was. And that was just kind of like rough guidelines, mm. right? So it's honed in over a long and period of time. And you might have time. a bit of Lazi that, hey, the audience, it's, yes, yes, it's mm. honed in and, and, and it gives you the freedom to maybe deviate for five minutes if, if the laughter or whatever the suspense will sustain it. And then bang, right back onto the next plot point. Okay. Um, clown works fairly similarly or can, right? And this is not a hard and fast rule, right? But it's something to experiment with, right? If you sure. can get one laugh, go for two, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, um, typically in this day and age, uh, what does a, what does a, a show look like? What would that show be about? Let's say. If, if I were to be making one or sure, just something sure. I've been in. Yeah. If, if you were to be making one. Oh gosh. Oh no. Um, like, <laughs> Sorry, I don't, like, I don't mean no, to put you on the spot. No, it's okay. I have, to, I'm in the middle of wading through, uh, a solo piece, for example, or something to that effect. Right. Yeah. I might need training wheels. Um, <laughs> You know, which, which, which borrows and plays with a lot of these things. Um, and so a lot of my, you know, a lot of that right now is, you know, like I just, my God, I just learned the, what, like the Google, like voice to text thing oh, was. Oh yeah. Isn't that great? And I was sitting here like some sort of like Neanderthal <laughs> trying to figure out like what the fuck a toaster was <laughs> typing like yeah some yeah. cool you know and going okay well it's coming out so fast in the journal it's coming out great in hard copy when my hand is flowing over the page mm -hmm. and the second i sit down to type like i can find a groove sure yeah but oh my god the fact that i can just say things and words appear and then all i have to do is edit like <laughs> mana from heaven sir yeah and i, I think um, it's just you know be, because of that movement maybe you just like to be on your feet right moving around trying to brainstorm and and speak out loud or are you uh plop I, yourself no, down? Absolutely. No, no, I, 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 the idea of, and, and, and I'm getting better at it mm. maybe as I age, I don't know. Mm. Um, but the idea of sitting still for hours to write, mm. uh, regardless of, of how I feel about it, you know, like, you know, once right. I kind of get doing it, it's okay. But yeah. God, that terrified me. Um, <laughs> like I remember what, so when I was, before we had that chat in the kitchen, mm. I was asked if I wanted to stick around and do a PhD at yonder school over there. Oh yeah. Um, wow. And we, well, yeah, fine. Good. Interesting. Except that meant I would have been three to six more years, basically reading theory at the Berkeley library on campus. Oh, man. And that's great. That's great. I, I, you know, but what I, about practical application? You were trying to tell 23, 24 year old me, Hey, hang out and do a doctorate. <laughs> like, I don't know if, I mean, you, you, you refer to social media. So like, I don't know if you've seen all the pictures about boats and the circus and, and whatever else has been going on. None of that is sitting in a library reading. Mm, yeah. <laughs> None yeah, of those of things. Course. <laughs> so uh, when did you light that fire under your ass? Was it that moment where you said, you know what, I'm going to do what is, you know, at least from my perspective, it seems like a calling in your family where. I need to hit the, hit the pavement. I need to, you know, put oh. rubber to the road as they say, or whatever, you know, just like get out there and do right. Oh, a lot. I mean, a lot of that is having the siblings I have, right? Like <laughs> yeah. they're all so like, like I, I can't, yeah, I, and that's what Sean and Dan, 
Sean and Dan both go to the gym more than I do now. They're both taller yeah, those than guys me. are machines. Uh, like, you know, Mary is incredibly creepy. Now when she's, she's, you know, doing independent theater and film and stuff based right. down in Telluride in Colorado and involved with the Telluride Film Festival every year, yeah. you know, and when she's not doing that, she's a volunteer firefighter. Like what? I, I she's ha- a volunteer yeah, I firefighter, do. man. Yeah. What a badass. Um, and this is my so, dream. Okay. I don't mean to, to interject here, but no, my, my dream for this podcast is to have a Higgins episode where all of you are, oh are in an episode that would be bananas. <laughs> I just kind of want to sit and, and kind of experience that just because you guys are a lot of, a lot of beautiful energy happening. But like, like I said, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong. You are a, a self propelled engine. Is that, is that kind of how it works with you guys where you have to. Allegedly. Push, yes. Allegedly. Um, <laughs> Like we, you know, we, we got, we were lucky in being able to both have a good, honestly, I think, you know, the, some of the inspiration came from, you know, our mom's wacky life trajectory, Mm. uh, some from our dad's wacky life trajectory, but also, you know, between them and also, you know, our, our stepdad, who was also an incredibly gifted artist, right. Mm. He was, you know, if I, if I remember right, something like, uh, as a child played with the New York Philharmonic. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I mean, like, like just, just, a just, That's you know, intense out of this world. Random. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like musician, you know, multi-instrumentalist, you know, and on and on and on. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Phil was, was an amazing person to also raise us. You know, we were lucky in that way. We kind of actually had three parents, um, which amazing. was almost a one-to-one ratio. <laughs> Being in a situation where, where you learn to take a calculated risk as part of your creative endeavor Mm. um, was, was hugely influential and instrumental. Um, And I I got very lucky um, to kind of stumble into that and to stumble into, well, if X isn't possible, how do we do it with Y? Mm. Um, You know, my first, gosh, my, my, I mean, like, for example, my first, like, I guess you'd call training after middle school. Mm-hmm. Um, I, by the way, I had an amazing middle school drama teacher. Like oh, those all are jokes the best. aside. Yeah. But you know, uh, like Marine Shakespeare company had a summer youth program, right? Okay. Like teenagers, 13, 14 year olds running around. Um, another friend of mine, who's also an incredibly talented playwright who I still speak with based in the Bay area. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, we met there before and then went to oh, high school cool. together. Yeah. Just because of where my family was at the time, like we couldn't afford that. Mm. Uh, however, the organization was flexible to, to making it available by, you know, I would go, I learned the lightboard. I programmed the lightboard. I ran sound for one of their shows. Mm. You know, I was basically able to work off my summer youth program tuition, um, which just, it introduced me to the first Del Arshans I ever met, um, <laughs> you know, before I even knew that that was a thing. Um, so you got a real sense of, of the entirety of theater at a very formative kind of period. Um, at that point, were you thinking, I, I want to learn more about movement. I want to learn more about the physicality uh, of the theater. Or were you at this point thinking I'm going to be an actor? Cause I met you as an actor in college. Like I was like, Billy's going to be an actor, director, Uh something. Right. Sure. Yeah. So, so (laughs) how did that, how did that pathway get refined for you? Oh, okay. So here's, here's. Here's no, here's a full circle story because that also began, began the first sort of like, you know, ankle flash of that under the Victorian skirt 
happened at UW. Um, and that was uh, that was actually when Bill Bowers came to direct Hey Oka Hoka Hey. I kind of had and a feeling. As, as, I kind of had a feeling. Like that was that was the first, uh, you know, and, and I'd had, you know, some mime and some comedian mask. And I, I just I was always drawn to it and loved that, you know, love stage combat, loved the the moving bodies element mm-hmm. of theater right. um, as as a great vessel for compelling storytelling. Mm. Right. Yeah. That's that's kind of what it is. Yeah. Um, you know, we because and, and not not to to diminish or 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 speak ill of, you know, scene study, text analysis class or voice and speech, but like it's also all contained in the body, right? Mm-hmm. Unless unless there's an actor out there I'm unaware of who's having like an out-of-body experience, <laughs> in which case book them. Um <laughs> that's a hell of a show. Can't miss it. You know. Yeah. And and just but, to clarify, uh, yeah, uh Bill Bowers uh is mm-hmm. is this phenomenal educator and mime artist that uh Billy and I had the pleasure of of you know being taught by for uh I think it was it was a year or half a half a year, maybe like it's a semester. Like a, yeah, it was a semester or a project based chunk of time. Yeah. And I gotta tell you, that's the kind of stuff that opened my eyes too. That that's something that at least for me as a playwright, I really felt like I understood how to really mm-hmm. get to the core of things because I had never thought about the craft in, in such a way to be able to distill it, get specific yeah. with, with movement and maybe see if there's a way to translate that, at least for me into text, mm-hmm. how can we really narrow it down? And I just have to say, I'm a really shitty mime and physical movement artist. Like, do you remember, I think they put me in the back on purpose because I was just not up to par in that show. Um, I but you really also, do, but <laughs> I really but you write it. so clearly. You write so clearly and beautifully, I mean. Well, well, you know, thank goodness. I mean, I I kind of made myself uh, uh, available, you know, to to help out in that regard. But it was it was a phenomenal learning experience, and I still think that it is one of those top formative moments of of my education. Thank you, Bill Bowers. Um, I hope to talk to you in the future. You're the best, and uh, please continue. I'm sorry, I just wanted to give a little bit of. <laughs> background no by all means mm-hmm. um i mean you know I, I, honestly another shout out to him because yeah. when i got to new york right reconnecting with him was was you know open quite literally oh, awesome. you know open the door to my opportunities to to teach stella adler and to even like further hone mm-hmm. you know taking the stuff that i learned at del arte at the time i was there and the stuff i'd been able to practice in the world in the time in between mm-hmm. and like at the whetstone of, you know, how do I really feel about this? How do I believe it? You know, what are the ways I could effectively teach the things that I learned, even though I disagreed with the way a lot of them were taught, you know, mm. not, not a lot, I should say a few of them. Right. It, it really, I was lucky in that there was, uh, there was balance in, you know, some of the, uh, jarring crazy and, 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 and the more soothing crazy in my education <laughs> and training. That's a whole other situation. No, yeah, but I I, I love it because we're we're kind of going a lot of different directions, and that's what happens when we haven't talked in a long time. So, uh, thanks for for bearing with me, bearing as, we with me as we go before okay. and after, I mean, and and see what happens. But you what can is, also bring me back and be like, dude, I had a specific question. Nah, like, nah, no, I I think that the beauty of this is that I just get to talk to you, and I get to you know see that uh, face. I kind of regret not doing video podcasts right now because we you know nobody's going to get to see that that wonderful mug you have a great headshot by the way um on your oh, on your instagram shucks. i'm like i saw that when you when you started your account i'm like holy shit i'm like man that's a that's a very uh lovely lovely man there um but the hat and uh, the scarf thing <laughs> yeah yeah that was like, that by the way 
that talk about happenstance of living in New York, not to just like throw anecdotes at you. <laughs> yeah, I that, love it. That was taken not even as a booked headshot. That was a that was a Swiss tourist with antique cameras wandering through Brooklyn <laughs> while I was while I was working on a show. Um asked if if he if if I could get my portrait taken and and then we got in touch via email and I was because he exchanged emails with me and I was uh -huh. like you seem like a cool guy I don't feel like I'm going to wake up in a bathtub full of ice um <laughs> sure you know and and yeah. so that's that that picture is actually where that came from oh that's beautiful um, that's so, yeah, that's even cooler like, now cooler than I you know than I expected but you are a man of many anecdotes and, and it feels like you, <laughs> you, you are taking your years and really living the shit out of them. And so I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. But in, in terms of, of your teaching now, what kind mm. of environment are you, are you going for? Is that something that you're going to be doing in your current role or are you solely focused on organizing a season mm. or, or what does your role look like now? And, and where does teaching sure. play into that? Let's go there. Um, no, I mean, I think both, uh, both as a practicing artist and a teaching artist, uh, both of those are pretty foundational and fundamental. Um, breaking that entire world down into fun and mental, um, <laughs> in, into how, how I look, I look forward to this, this new role, this new challenge. Um, and by that, I mean, right. Like I'm about to launch right into a radio play. Oh, um, we, you know, we were going to do, uh, you know, this is, this is theater that's made for and by the people of Humboldt County, mm. right? That's like Ferndale's whole jam. Oh, I love you know, that. it's a, it's a, it's a mishmash of, you know, professional artists of all walks of life and caliber, uh, and, um, you know, and, and, and locally sourced talent who either are just getting their start or who have found that in their daily lives, theater holds a place for them that they want to always come back to, to the well and take a deep dive. Um, it's a really, really great intersection of, of directly accessing the community through theater mm -hmm. um, in a way that, you know, in larger rep houses and, and on in bigger venues, uh, we do, uh, but we do it from a like, uh you know there, there's, there's a distance there really is, there's there is something yeah, there yeah. That there's says, a show there's a show touring through that's going to touch someone's life or there's something that they you know someone went to the mountain and and traveled to new york and then saw a, a cast at a certain caliber um and to to recognize that i i am lucky to work with and alongside folks here mm -hmm. uh who are every inch as talented and as skilled and you know Tony nominated actors, uh, one of whom is going to be in the cast of this radio play I'm directing. We're doing oh, an adaptation great. of a Christmas Carol. Oh, Christmas um, Carol. Yeah. It's the holidays. We were going to do it. It was originally, we were going to do a musical treatment of it. Um, you know, that, that we had, we had sniffed out, mm -hmm. um, because it's, it's the theater's 50th anniversary season. Oh, so wow. we went, you know, kind of back to, Hey, here was a bespoke version of a Christmas Carol, the musical written for this theater mm -hmm. in 1979. Um, and then the Delta variant spike meant that I, uh, I and my board, which, you know, just a stellar group of people, mm -hmm. uh, made the decision to put the temporary kibosh on our fall play, which would be running now that instead is going to go into our last show slot of the season mm -hmm. all the way out in May. Mm -hmm. Um, that'll be a really sweet, uh, undertaking, uh, remounting because we were halfway through production yeah. of, uh, Rocky horror show. Oh. Uh bummer 
Yeah, no, it's okay. It's coming back. It's going to be in the spring, right? Yeah, but you know, you gotta Easter themed pastels. I don't know. Um, <laughs> we'll make it work. <laughs> yeah, it'll be fine. What's the worst that could happen? Um, you know, and and also, you know, nobody was feeling awesome about the concept of what's traditionally like a children's or family show, right? The holiday show, mm-hmm. um, shoehorning a bunch of kids under twelve without vaccines into a theater mm-hmm. didn't seem in keeping. Yeah. So what are you going to do? Uh, so we, I, I asked and, and drafted budgets and they said, yeah, God, no, we can't pay that for something where we might not even have an audience. Like, right. you know, we went uh, back, uh, had in, in a lot of ad hoc meetings, it's poor mm-hmm. board. Like I yeah. showed up and they already have to plan extra time for me. Right. Um, no, but they, they seriously though, they're great. Um, and we wound up doing it. We we have a radio play adaptation that we're going to do. It's going to be two nights live to get our recording. And then it's going to go out on some local radio stations. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, and by the way, um, this isn't a plug, by the way. This is just something I found. No, please, really cool. please, by all means, plug, plug away. Uh, if you haven't stumbled on, I think the website is called what, Radio Garden. Yeah, it's like, it's a simple, you can listen to any radio station anywhere on the planet. What? So. To your listeners, you know, look out for uh, Ferndale Repertory Theater's radio play production of A Christmas Carol. Dude, I'm going to I'm going to track it down. I'm going to I'm going to start spreading the word. Even even if even if you're not even if you're not in the area, you know, check it out. And that's a beautiful thing. And and just to kind of touch on this idea of of opening the gates up a little bit with technology. Right. And making Mm -hmm. making some of these stories and some of these performances available. I was just talking to. a playwright who's who's teaching in Michigan and he wrote a play about Flint and he said this is mm-hmm. online so that certain people can take a look at this work that wouldn't normally be accessible and I'm just thinking this is the time and place to get the word out about the craft and get people excited about what theater can do mm-hmm. and all the arts what they can do for folks so uh please send it along and I'll I'll make sure that we can keep you know giving it shout outs as uh we get closer awesome. to to time cuz uh that's very very intriguing to me but I did mean to ask you, as you stepped into this role of, of leading a theater, essentially, during this batshit crazy time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That, I totally didn't mean that. That was like, that was probably in real No, it is batshit crazy. Yeah, but, like, but, let's but be it real. is batshit crazy. The times crazy, but... right now, dude, like, <laughs> but, no, uh, like, it is, it is, it is, it is both yeah, batshit I mean, bat and apeshit. Yeah. I mean, um, do, you, do you have to have contingency plans for contingency plans or, or how does this normally go for you right now? Is sure. this just adapting? Well, yeah. Yeah. Please give me um, a, a as rundown. much as my, as much, as much as certain members of my board might go, Oh my God, why is he talking about boats again? <laughs> um, honestly, I was like, seriously, like lucky to to nerd out on tall ships and schooners for a bit sailing around as a way to decompress from you know that that was what i did to decompress Mm. from physical theater school um Mm. but but you know it's you know you have in that environment right um like what is sailing right not not let's let's just take some some let's just slice off some philosophy that i picked up along the way from a dear (laughs) friend right um so sailing at its core right is limiting your variables and practicing attention to detail. Hmm. You just, you do that on a boat or whatever, right? Because your weather conditions, you know, what's the sea state doing? How choppy is it? 
what's, you know, what, what piece of equipment didn't get repaired or is like on site, you know, who, who's on deck, who is, you know, you know, who, who are you sailing with? That's like a good, cool head that you want around in certain situations who, if you're taking out a boat, you know, if you're doing a day sail with passengers or whatever on 120 uh, feet of schooner, Mm -hmm. you know, who do you not want to put anywhere near the passengers? Because every third word out of their mouth is like, they're just swearing and chain smoking. So maybe they (laughs) should go somewhere else. It depends. Yeah. It all, it's all, it all depends. And applying, you know, translating those skills, just, just as translating my theater skills to boats, which I did, which probably is why they never got too angry at me (laughs) because I was affable or whatever. Yeah. That right now is helping me more than anything. Truly. Mm. Um, you know, all, all jokes and nonsense aside, yeah. uh, because there's a lot of stuff that would be called to hit a panic button, so to speak, except no, we could also just make a couple of slight adjustments. Um, you know, so there are things that I'm fairly committed to doing, you know, like making sure that we can deliver a 50th anniversary season, how becomes a bit negotiable. That's all. Absolutely. Um, so I know that this is, uh, something that, uh, is a priority for you from what we've spoken previously, but in terms of engaging a community or taking the theater off a a pedestal in a way, I'm very concerned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not that I I had a negative experience in school because I learned so much, but I still got the sense that theater belonged to a certain, a certain Mm -hmm. type of status. And I'm very curious what your thoughts are as, somebody who has deeply studied the craft, who has gone to the deeper mm. traditions of theater, how can we make it something, especially in our smaller communities, you know, Wyoming, you know, the type of people who are here. Oh yeah. How does totally. theater connect with these folks, especially during this difficult time? Like I know that there's yeah. no secret sauce, but if there were some thoughts on that. <laughs> a lot of it is, is, well, first it starts with making theater, right? Yeah. Which is a which is a weird thing to say, especially, you know, in a country where, you know, unfortunately, right, uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, compared to it, compared to it, you know, compared to a Tomahawk missile, right? I'm a curious decoration, right? <laughs> like, not not to not to like unveil and unfurl a full hippie flag. Excuse me. I will be at the rifle range to to just bring balance to the force here this weekend, <laughs> you know, but like. Like seriously though, right? Like, yeah, like first yeah. is, is make the damn thing. Um, real hard not to, if you don't, and then people go, Oh my God, but what if, what if it's not accessible? What if it's too expensive? What if we don't have the rights? Mm-hmm. Make theater find, find like, you know, that whole, was it the, I'm just pulling from random movies, now, but like Jurassic park, like life finds a way, right? Yeah. yeah. Hamlet hold a mirror as if to hold a mirror up to nature, like theater theater reflects life theater is life and life is theater and life reflects theater right we don't we don't actually write plays about anything other than the human condition mm-hmm. um in all of its forms in all of its weirdnesses right two yokels in like year one of clown school writing about bed bugs or whatever that's still about the human condition right you know yeah has to be so move forward with that intent to right just maintain a, a level footing and remember mm-hmm. that that we're human beings. It's not like people in Wyoming or people in California or any any different. These are oh my god, no. Beings. We 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 all truly, truly have so much more in common at every turn, all of us, 
than we ever have different, right? You and I, we're made up of about, like pretty much exactly the same amount of water. Mm. Unless I'm on a boat for three months, you tan better than I do. <laughs> but otherwise, you know, like it's yeah. it's just like it, it, there's so, there's so so many things that you know are we 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 it's it's weird, right? It's it's like like a lot of the things I feel that like plague us in society are like really shitty actor training, mm. frankly. You okay. know, where we get Explain. so hung up on we get so hung up on on the the particular detail of a something, right? Hmm. That we forget to breathe, <laughs> right? And as I as I tell my my acting students, and, and it's the same is the same thing that that was part of how I came to understand this work. Whether I'm teaching circus students in East Oakland or I'm teaching kids at sixty five Broadway at Stella Adler or whatever, right? Like it's the same. It, it it doesn't matter. There isn't a pedigree to that, right? Yeah. It's the same lesson, and right, it's that you as the performer are responsible for the breath of the space, right? When you breathe, your audience breathes. If you, you like y'all listening, if you you got any college kids or Casper college kids listening, y'all want to go find the silver bullet monologue that's gonna like get you through the door. Insofar as just your monologue is gonna get you through the door, just go find the piece of text that you're in love with. Just go find the thing you love to play because your audience seeing that, whether it's, you know, casting or paying audiences or whatever, like they're going to watch you take delight in your craft and they're going to breathe when you breathe in that thing. I don't know how to put it any more directly. Than that. No, that's beautiful. That is exactly, exactly what I'm looking for. And the beautiful thing about this is that I get some, some of your sage wisdom and it does help me too, because. I'm now at a, a wonderful point in time in my life where I can pick up where I left off. I, I think that I stepped away from the theater for uh, some time to say, I need to get my shit together. I need to raise a family, you know, and, and get mm-hmm. to, to a better place. And now there's this, this beautiful time where I'm exploring what does that look like for me, right? What kind of air am I looking for in my life? And so this is, this is just great wisdom for me. So I, selfishly i'm taking furious notes and and trying to make sure that i i catch a lot of this stuff because it's very helpful but in terms of say programming your season mm-hmm. do you think that there is there can be a balance between classics and original work like like how how I can do. we do that how can we do that so the the short answer is yes um one of the things i'm i'm keenly looking at in terms of possibilities, right? So known titles, et cetera, are going to draw a crowd, right? That j- just, you know, we don't have to talk about, yeah. you know, like that is a thing, mm-hmm. right? At the same time, ideally, right? Everyone wants to be in and around the room when like that next big thing is going to happen, right? The excitement and the possibility of, oh my God, right? Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, one of the things that I am looking pretty st- concertedly into is where you know and and you know i mean this is a this is a just for you to know as well as anyone listening Mm. um what would it look like for us to take on you know probably very you know small to start but like a curated readers theater thing Mm. focused on new work in a way Mm -hmm. where i in this role and 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 you with the stewardship of this organization Mm -hmm. where we can look at ways that things can can make it there, make it before an audience right. in some fashion uh, to get the words heard, to get the text out there. And that it doesn't, you know, 
it doesn't have to take away, obviously, from anything that we already do to keep the place viable. Right. 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 And so we, you know, it's 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 not just how do we how do we extol Man of La Mancha or whatever, right? Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, fine. For sure. Great. That was 1965. Mm-hmm. If we want another Man of La Mancha, we better be supporting our living artists. Right. Right. No, and by that I don't mean I don't actually know if people writing who wrote Man of La Mancha are alive or not. Oh God, oh yeah. hell. Um, but <laughs> you, but so. you get what, but you get, but you get what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. Shakespeare's yeah. great, absolutely. And and dude, dude isn't trying to like raise a family or make a paycheck or buy groceries <laughs> off his royalties. Like exactly, no one pays him royalties. He right. did, right? <laughs> um, you know, that's not to say don't produce it, but yeah. you know, we we often get into this weird cycle. This, you know, this is anything, right? This is not not to wax poetic again, right? But like, you know, if something isn't growing, if something isn't moving, it's dead more often than not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And people always talk, oh, the theater's dying. No, no, the theater's not dying, right? Like the best job security anyone with theater training could have is for society to fall off the cliff. Because guess what? When Netflix don't stream anymore, I still know how to tell stories. We'll be there. So, ha, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's a, I mean, seriously, there's a fantastic thing running around the internets right now that says, Hey, the work of local artists isn't sitting on, you know, cargo ships, right. With this whole, oh, yeah. you know, lo- this logistical the- bacchanal we have going. <laughs> um, I love your turn so, of phrase. Jesus Christ, man. I, I have missed you. <laughs> well, I've missed you too. We'll have to make an excuse to hang out. Absolutely. Yeah, I think you're spot on. And, and I think that there, there's two things going on in my mind where I feel like, yes, it's the theater's responsibility to at least make a, a small space or a welcoming space for development. And by development, I mean, maybe let's get, you know, like a mm-hmm. production every now and then. That's, that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. But I also think that we as creatives sometimes make up excuses. And I am trying to learn this lesson over and over again. And I'm, pushing myself to become a producer of my own work because I Mm -hmm. feel that, you know, now more than ever, there is, there's no gateway really. So is there a way that, that local community driven theater houses can provide support for independent artists like that? How would that work? Do you think like, right. In a theoretical. So so all of it is a matter of how, right. Mm -hmm. This is another one of those little sagisms, and this came from like one of my teacher's teachers, right? Character mm-hmm. is a question of how, mm-hmm. right? The blocking says cross the center stage, bop, 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 taps pencil twice. How you do that tells the story of character. Anyway, we could nerd out about movement theater all night, <laughs> but to bring that into your question, a lot of a lot of the places that maybe have capacity to allow in new voices into the theater don't always have the resources. And what I mean by that is I hypothetically might have the time and space in my calendar. And at the same time, I just need to look at, okay, what, what are all the factors in the equation? It's not to say, Mm -hmm. do it, don't do it. It's to say that is a dialogue with the artists because just as much as I want to see new voices and new work out there, I also don't want people to feel ill-used. Know what I mean? Right. And that is not sa- and that's not something I can assign a a fixed. Um, there's no rubric. You no, know, I, 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 there's no. Yeah, there's. Yeah, exactly. That's that is something that requires just uh, de- deliberate moving forward. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's yeah. not to say it can't be done. It's to mm-hmm. say that it it becomes a deliberate choice of how we choose to proceed. Yeah. Both from the creative side as well as the producerial side. 
Right. Um, you know, I the very first show I ever toured after grad school, two friends, we, we produced ourselves, right? Mm. We, li- I mean, literally not, not to jump into another weird ass story, but like, no, I love this. We got, we got into the Winnipeg Fringe Festival with this piece. Um, you know, we applied, got in. Mm-hmm. Um, Who are your friends again of, uh, that you did this with? My, my friend and MFA classmate, Ali Menzimer, who's okay. just an absolute stellar human being living up in okay. Portland these days. And our friend and someone who graduated actually like left the MFA program at Del Arte and then came back and finished. Mm. Um, and in that interceding time, we snapped him up for this tour, a fellow named Lucius Robinson, who I believe is currently based in Baltimore. Okay. Cause I was, I was going to say it's, it looked familiar because I met Ali at the Kennedy center Oh, uh, right. when we went for playwriting and, yeah. and I was like, wait a minute. It's a, it's a small yeah. world. It's a, it's a crazy thing, yep. but okay. Shout oh, out yeah. to Ali for being awesome. Uh, playwright for, I knew her as a playwright for young audiences back in the day. Uh, yeah, so. no, she's, she's, you know, I think she might even have a respectable job now. God help her. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, maybe I've just been too stubborn for that. Cause I said, Oh wait, theater works slow. Sometimes I know I'll go do circus and or sailing. Yeah, that yeah. seems reasonable. <laughs> yeah. So, so Allie and this other fellow, Spencer and I had done this adaptive piece. Uh, Spencer wasn't available for the tour. And so we, the three of us, she, Lucius and I went to Winnipeg, played in, gosh, what was that? It was like son of something. It was some, some obscure theater, right? For, but it was a two week festival and mm-hmm. the Canadians, man, like if you ever want to just do some fun with a show, take it to Canada. <laughs> like seriously, well, seriously, you get, you get international theater credit. They, they produce it. And now granted, we didn't do the whole fringe national fringe circuit, but the, every two weeks there's a fringe festival rolling West, wow. you know, from Montreal or whatever, maybe even further East, but like, you know, from Montreal to Victoria and British Columbia. So you could do a whole summer just doing that. If you so chose. That's incredible. But you know, we, pre- we, we self-produced, I mean, literally like in, in the waning days of my mom owning her own home, like we, we practiced in the backyard. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then hopped in the car, we loaded the entire friggin' show into like a Ford focus, like <laughs> two actors plus the set. Plus, this was the same show, by the way, that I took to UW and did guest teaching stuff oh, in okay. spring of 2015. Oh, really? Um, okay. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, you know, but like the set, the, the costume, the, the entire show plus three actors in, in no, actually it was Ali's Mazda echo. I don't know. Some, some little bean of a car, very, very good at gas mileage. So that happened. We got some pretty respectable reviews and the latter nights of it, you know, because a lot of the audiences wait to see kind of what the reviews say before they go. Um, you know, we wound up filling some houses mm. and, you know, I th- we sold out at least a couple nights. Um, wow. Fella Patrick Disney, who worked at the University of Washington or Eastern Washington, you know, dropped his business card mm. in, into our, our little like, please take a pin from the show, uh, which do I have one of those up here? Here, there, there's one of the pins from the show. I actually didn't. That was just on my um <laughs> on on my bookshelf and i hadn't even thought about can it until you give the story me a, can you give me a summary of of what this piece was just uh the, oh the god it opens, was so so a bit of i'm a little i'm i'm a little bit jealous sad and delighted by the success of hadestown um because this was this was a 
an original treatment mashup of some of Shel Silverstein's verses and the the Orpheus myth and all that mm. stuff uh, called Hell to Pay. I see. And okay, you know, I, like we we threw some Hieronymus Bosch in there just for good music. Just you know, yeah, yeah, good, mix good, it up a bit, whatever. Garden of Earthly Delights. Yeah. Um, oh my. Goodness. Allie had this brilliant monologue that she originated uh, on on the plight of feminism. Mm. It, it was just it was so oh man it, that honestly to this day that was probably one of the most that that was probably the most fun I've ever had on oh, a show. Goodness. After school period like yeah you know and 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 you know no shade to to the folks I've had the opportunity to work with at Joe's Pub at the Public Theater or Berkeley Rep. Like, but that was just so much unbridled fun. My God, you know, and, and big shout outs to both of those organizations too for, right. for you know, hosting right. me, putting up with me, having me on other people's projects. So how does, and just to, you know, I want to ask you a couple more, cause of course I want to be respectful of your time, sir. Cause I know that you're, Yo, whatever, you're yeah. a busy guy, but how does the right climate for collaboration happen when you have three forces three or four forces what what's something that can be emulated if possible to to have a good stew of creativity come along where you can have those those opportunities to create a monologue about feminism or to think about bosch and sure. trying to bring it into the work like how does that happen when i when i feel like i've been lucky enough to be closest to that that thing you're talking about um Right. It's, it's, you get, you get to play in that world of reckless abandon. Uh, when there, when there is, when there's mutual trust, right. When there's a baseline of, I don't have to assume good intent. Mm -hmm. I know that like, if I try to go up in a handstand and I totally biff it because I'm not as good at handstands <laughs> as I think I am on rehearsal that like someone's going to be there to catch me. Right. Or, you know, that I'm going to make, because here's, here's the thing, right all art all of it in my and 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 this starts to sound very declarative right <laughs> as i tell people every day i reserve the right to be wrong always um in my understanding of all this this art stuff that we do the politest way is there's a lot of shit made <laughs> and you have to be willing to do that and sift through it to find the little nuggets of gold right or that could become a full play or you know, I mean, that was that was probably one of the best things that I learned at the at Del Arte, right? Is getting the eye from the faculty. You come, you do a showing. Hey, we've been working for three, four weeks in the studio. Here's our next showing, and you're freaking out because you've been up, you know, you're 18 hours straight and <laughs> just so much caffeine coursing mm -hmm. through your veins and anxiety, mm -hmm. and it's fine. And you do the thing, and you think, and remember, you're out in the middle of the forest. You can, oh, is that you where can, it is? Yo, yeah, yeah. Blue it's Lake just like is a an tiny town of like a thousand of... people, no stoplights. Oh, you wow. know, you are you are you are in a safe place to make egregious errors, and no one's gonna know. <laughs> but you always, but you you know, but you're in the bubble, and so you think it all matters, and it, it does. You have to play like it all matters. Mm -hmm. But what the faculty did consistently, among many many other gifts that they that they provided in their teaching, um, was being able to, with their own perspectives say okay this part this thing this piece of music here are the things out of what you just showed us that are worthwhile mm. and just burn the rest of it in effigy or hey that nothing you showed today was worth anything start all the way over right and mm. so what you get you know and and that that is that's at the core of like that 
is part of the pedagogy of BA Negativa, which recently has come under fire because it is often taught, frankly, very from a very hegemonic, toxic, masculine, mm. you know. It's a very aggressive way like, um, that could be received. Uh, can be. Sort of, now, yeah. it, it doesn't, now, ironically, it doesn't have to be taught that way. Mm. But often, right, like folks like Jacques Lecoq, often when they founded their schools and were touted for being great geniuses, et cetera, et cetera, they did teach that way because of their own understanding of the world and their own background and their own entitlement. And again, you know, we're talking about people who were yeah. white men in the forties who then lived the through World War powers. II and who was going to tell them, yeah. right? Yeah. Who was going to tell them otherwise? Exactly. So fine. No, yeah. um, you know, and, and, and this just, just even, even touching that as a pedagogical streak these days, right. Starts to lean into an element of nuance good and bad right there are there are parts of it that really should not be taught and certainly not the way they are mm. um there are certain skill sets that can be helpful in the mm. most nurturing inclusive ways um but really being able you know it's kind of like the creative process itself right really be, having a willingness to sift into that yeah and find what's worthwhile love the right? language and love the interpretation of of uh you know, I go back to Stephen King, who said, we got to shovel shit from the sitting position. And that's how we yeah. begin, right? That's, that's where yeah. all this originates. Uh, to get onto something a little bit lighter, because there, there's so much that I want to talk to you, but I, just to kind of start dovetailing this stuff. Yeah, we've been pretty eclectic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really dig it. This is a very uh, uh, haywire kind of episode, and I really enjoy that. Um, what are some things that you recall as being incredibly formative to you in terms of works of art whether you saw theater or or pieces of entertainment or things from you know when you were younger or things that you saw recently that that you think are transformative that we can't miss out on what are some things that blew your mind i mean okay the shortest answer i can give you is life now that's not going to help <laughs> most people um and that's okay and, and, and it, it's a great title, right? Billy Collins' book, Whale Day, I think is what it's called. Um, it's okay. I have a poem that I wrote in 2012 called Whale Day. Totally separate, right? Mm -hmm. um, but that poem speaks directly to, you know, my first season doing, doing deep water sailing of any sort outside, basically anything outside of San Francisco Bay, right? Mm -hmm. And this wasn't, this wasn't even like the furthest out ever, right? This mm -hmm. was, this was crossing Massachusetts Bay. Uh, we were taking schooner links uh, from, I think, Marblehead over to Provincetown mm -hmm. out on the Cape. Yeah. And, you know, I'm in my bunk because it's my time to be asleep. And, you know, my, my buddy Ben sticks his head down the hatch and goes, you guys need to get up here right away. And we're like, oh, shit, okay, fine, running up. <laughs> and, you know, there we are. This is the story behind the poem by the way, uh, <laughs> that wasn't self friggin' evident. Uh, you know, we get up on deck and we're in a, we're in a pot of finback whales. Like they're oh, wow. just, they're just breaching around us. You know, oh, we're like, goodness. they're just, they're just, we're sailing along. Right. We had sailed, um, you know, Stefan Kapnedic had, had, you know, we had the weather and he pulled the, Hey guys, let's sail off the dock, mm. you know, just for funsies, <laughs> you know? So we sailed off the dock that morning. We were just kind of cruising along making good time and because we're sailing we're a big doofy silly thing you know with our engine off so we're not pumping any noise or or anything into the water to scare them away mm. and they're just fucking with us 
Wow. And we look what a mile and a half away or whatever the legal requirement is for the whale watching boat, you know, way out there with the people with their high telescopic lenses, Yeah. you know, and they get this show of schooner links and us, you know, us just tooling oh along goodness. with these whales. We pull into Provincetown that night, um, you know, drop the anchor. We're sitting out at anchor and it's one of the nights of the Perseid meteor shower. And I'm oh. watching, you know, these stars right these meteors there's no way you can think of it other than they're breaching just like the whales are right that that right there is is that poetic you know synapse yeah boom it's there you know and and my buddy alex Ott, the chief mate leans over and goes huh sailed off the dock hung out with some <laughs> whales watching a meteor shower i wonder what the poor people are doing <laughs> you know so yeah. when i say life you know, that's what I mean is, is, you know, like you as a playwright, tell me there isn't something in there you at least want to noodle with. And, I, and maybe Absolutely. not, I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, it's just that I got nothing else. That's it. Full stop. <laughs> no, that is a, that is a, a very good one to me. And I want to ask you one more so we can kind of wrap this one up. You've answered a lot of this so beautifully so full of poetry and i want to call this podcast waxing poetic like if uh, <laughs> i think that that might be the goal of of this whole enterprise and i'm really sorry that i'm bummed out that i didn't get to talk to you more about sailing because we're gonna have to do like you know uh episode two down the road you know make that make that part make make that part of we can make an episode two make it part of the all higgins free for all you're hoping yeah, for yeah whatever um, well, um by the way speaking of artists in small towns uh Sean is bouncing between my little brother is bouncing. I believe these days between Sheridan and LA. Yes. So yeah, he ain't far from you. And Big uh, chunk of the you know, I, I got to tell you, shout out to Sean. He, he really made a hell of a presentation for um, one of the legislative committees on, on uh, the film industry here in, in the yeah. States. So it was good. I, I got to good, catch good, good, him good uh, doing that. Amazing, amazing work. So Shout out to Sean Higgins. Hopefully we can chat down the road. But my friend, what can we do in small towns for the arts? Why do we need them? And what can we do to get this thing up and running? Um, again, it goes back to that. We all have way more in common than we do separate. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I mean that across everything from hobbies to backgrounds to ethnicities, you know, to faith-based practices. Um, and, you know, for example, like, you know, a lot of, a lot, frankly, a lot of soccer drills are at the foundational core of, of the pedagogy that I learned in my MFA program. Oh, wow. Not all of them, <laughs> just a few here and there and a lot of other applied stuff. Mm. You know, I had an entire class my second year that was the application of archery to theater. Goodness. <laughs> but that is to say, right. As much as, and not not to make this a high school PSA, but right, let, let's start with the high school kids, uh, since if the planet still supports human life, they'll be inheriting it in a number mm -hmm. of years. I got really lucky in high school that my theater department was able to put on four shows a year, which means I got to play football in the fall. So did Sean and Dan. You know, Dan, I think, was either an MCAL or state-ranked quarterback. Oh, wow. No, you know, yeah, you know Dan Higgins as a professional dancer with RDT. Um, and, that and is, as someone who, 
Dan, what? Dan was like Dan and Sean both were better at gridiron than I ever was. Goodness. And we all played and we all lettered, but the precision, the craft, the timing, the breath, the discipline that you find on the football field, or, you know, I think in Sean's case, more than any of us, the wrestling mat, or for me, the fencing piece, all of that stuff directly translates to compelling theater, right? We always hear these, this thing in theater, right? Why can't theater be more like sports? Well, sports have such a big fan base. It was like, honestly, make theater more like sports. And I don't mean, I don't mean, sorry, sports fanatics. I don't mean uh, like fantasy football leagues, dogfight rings, and all the other problems. <laughs> like, I, but what I do mean, right, is there is, there is something visceral and compelling about them. And if theater wants to to grab the people around it and in it and with it in in the communities that it serves, it has a responsibility of being able to do that by being every bit as vibrant. Lovely. And that is the challenge that we have as theater artists, because in the same way, right, that I, I, my God, I understand why some of my teachers would throw things. Because, you know, the, the conceit of an actor or a director or a playwright to come out and say, well, you just don't understand my process or here's what I was going for. We don't actually have that luxury, right? Let's bring it back to sports, right? The pitcher pitches the ball, it's hit or it's a strike or it's a ball, right? Mm -hmm. We're not, the, the batter isn't responsible for knowing, the batter is responsible for responding authentically. And that, that, that right there without pretense is what theater often both lacks half the time and but also my god i don't know pick a god zeus dionysus i guess it's theater you know like when it lands you know and there there are there are you know i'm, I'm not going to sit here and, and and list pieces of theater and work that land but there are pieces of theater that historically documented when they happen people line up thronging around the block or like rush into the street and, and riot or or all these other things that you, you the same thing that you see at like the end of a raiders game right um it happens it has happened it's documentably possible so my my offer and challenge to my fellow theater artists and and the thing that i try even even in in something like a family friendly production of a christmas carol you know yes it's a known story where do i get to find the freedom in the known story where do i get to find the ways to make it you know a story of redemption because anything less than that why bother video games exist or whatever you know, and, and that, that to me is, is the part that, you know, when you say, what can we do? And specifically, if, if, if I'm inferring, what can we do as artists? Make your work as compelling as the Super Bowl. Period. Absolutely beautiful. My friend, I appreciate your time. Thanks for being a badass, for leading the way and, and living your own path. Um, it's been incredibly inspiring to get to see what you're up to. And uh, I hope that we uh, can shoot the shit real soon. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, man. I love you, man. It's been a long time. Love you too, Jaime. I'm really <laughs> glad that you reached out and that we got a chance to do this. Bye.